Hello and welcome to Spooptober on the Grindhouse Girls podcast. This month we'll be focusing on some Halloween films to Hallow stream this spooky season. But of course, we'll be discussing all things spoopy, scary, and strange. As usual, we'd like to warn our listeners that some things that we discuss due to their graphic nature may be disturbing and listener discretion is advised. But for those of you who would like to be spooped out, keep listening and on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Katie. And hey there, I'm Brittany. And of course, this is Grindhouse Girls Podcast. And this is our Spooptober episode three on Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. So uh, I'm really excited about this movie because I kind of discovered it by accident in college. One of my sorority sisters uh, just turned it on one day in the dorms and it's the honestly this song this um movie uh introduced me to several things including the song psycho killer and uh i love it i think it's a little hidden gem of a horror movie how did you feel about it brick because i think this was your first time watching it i really really liked it <laughs> yay i was very nervous that either you would like be like katie this is the dumbest thing ever but i was like i feel like this is up Brit's alley because this is definitely a horror homage of a movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't. I, yeah, I don't and think... it's really funny. Like, it is like funny, and I think a lot of that owes to the actor who plays Leslie Vernon, Nathan ba- Basil. He's like mm-hmm. very. He's very Jim Carrey to me in some ways. Yes, he reminds me of Jim Carrey, and is it Hunter Parrish who plays Sean in um, Boy Meets World? He reminds me of those two people, like, smashed together. Yeah. Like, he has really great comedic timing. He's not, like, over-the-top, like, physical comedy. Um, I, I would say there's some physical comedy in this movie, but he's more, it's just the delivery. Uh, his delivery is really funny. So, he's a, which is, I think, hilarious when you consider the subject matter of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, so... I love the way this movie opens. And we're not going to, like, I want to talk about the opening. I don't want to give too many spoilers because I feel like you can talk about the first couple, like maybe the first 30 minutes of this movie, and it's not going to spoil it for you, but you don't need to know, like, the last 45 minutes of it or else it kind of takes a lot of the fun of the movie away, I think. But it has this really cool like, introduction to everything going on, and, um, it's very funny, and he is, like, the kind of, like, I don't know, like, his character is so unexpectedly funny and joyous and charismatic, and you're, like, you understand why these people are cool, like, hanging out with him, he just charms the pants off of everyone, but it doesn't seem to be, like, a sociopathic kind of charm, it's, like, he's genuinely a nice person, and he's genuinely sweet. But then he'll say weird things that are just a little off. Like, he's he's introducing everyone to his turtles. He's like, hey, this is Church and this is Zoe and they're so cute and I love them. And then he's just like, the poor bastards won't die when I leave them without food for days. And, like, Taylor, the main girl, is just like, oh, yeah, like, turtles are good like that. And he's like, 
yeah, I only have pets I can eat. And you're like, okay. Like, it's just, like, just a little off. Yes. But normal enough that you're like... And I had to... I had to point out point out that's like one of the first like little horror homages is that church is of course the pet cat in pet cemetery that's resurrected mm-hmm. and Zoe's actually the dog in pet cemetery too that's resurrected. So Okay, I knew that they were a pet cemetery reference, but I've only seen the first one. So I was like, I can't remember which pets they are. But uh, the I haven't seen the remake of Pet Cemetery because I was kind of morally opposed to seeing it because it didn't. I liked the okay wait I it was awful was it awful yes the remake the one that came out last year was awful oh. and I'm not just talking because they traded uh, Ellie for Gage it was like seriously just bad so also so I watched Pet Cemetery probably for the I'd seen the scene. Well, okay, sp- minor spoilers for Pet Cemetery. Somebody gets their Achilles tendon sliced by a creep. That might have been the second one. But no, it's the first one, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And and it's they get their Achilles tendon sliced by, we'll just say something. And it's a truly frightening scene. And there's something like just, it's like the, the scene in Misery, the hobbling scene. It's just like sickeningly like just like it makes your skin crawl. You're like, oh my god, I want to vomit because that just would hurt so badly. But um, I hadn't actually seen the whole movie, so I finally watched it. it. Was streaming, I think, on Amazon Prime, and I was like, ooh, I'm gonna watch this. It's a Stephen King movie. I also watched um, Sleepwalkers, which was not good, <laughs> but kind of. Oh, but I love Sleepwalkers when I was a kid. It's entertaining it. though. Like I it's entertaining because it. it's goofy. Get the bad guy, Clovis. Get the bad guy. <laughs> Clovis. I don't Clovis even remember. I just remember like weird <laughs> incestual shit, and yeah. then also like cat people. And I was yeah. very confused. Clo- Clovis is the cat that uh, ends up being like the savior cat, and he's the police officer's kitty cat. So he's the one riding in the cop car. <gasps> oh yeah. Yeah. See, part of it was fun, but it was just also, like, really bad CGI, and it was very laughable. It's kind of like the Langoliers. Like, the premise is cool, and then you see them eating the sky, and you're like, that's not scary. That's really funny. I'm not, I'm just kidding, Stephen King. It's not your fault that CGI hadn't caught up to your genius. Um, But Pet Cemetery, I finally watched it, and it's genuinely frightening. That's scary that something, like, you gave life to is going to kill you. For giving it life again. It's very, like, it's, it's the whole, like, you can't ever bring someone totally back from the dead, which is scary and sad. Yeah, and, of course, like, without, without going, like, on this, like, huge tangent about, like, the Pet cemetery novels, but as we know, uh, with Stephen King, usually when his works are adapted, things are left out. Um, so in, like, the original novels, like, the Pet cemetery is, like, a burial ground, obviously, that may have had, like, some Native American influence, and so when they come back, they're not, I mean, it's their bodies, but it's definitely implied that there's demons or something very, very unholy, because literally, Gage in the novel will talk like a grown man, and he'll, and the, and the, so the child will have a grown man's voice talking about things he should have no earthly idea about. And so, to me, that would have been, I would probably shit my pants if I saw something like that in a movie. But, of course, like, they're like, ah, child actors, there's only yeah. so much you can do with them, so you can't really do that same thing. But, yeah, I mean, it's 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 terrifying to think about. It's terrifying to think about something so innocent. Um, 
being, I guess, demonic. I guess that's probably one of the true horrors of it. But yeah, I love Pit Cemetery. Yeah. It's a classic. Uh, um, like all Stephen King movies, I grew up watching mm-hmm. it. So <laughs> also, Herman Munster plays their neighbor, and he has the best voice. He's like, "Be careful when you go down to the pet cemetery." Like he has a great voice. Like I yeah, Judd. Yes, I love him, and that's like I like I obviously I saw the South Park episode before I saw all of Pet Cemetery, so I was like, why does everyone do this old man voice? I was like, oh my god, it's the Herman Munster character's voice. Okay, his real name isn't Herman Munster, and I'm blanking on the actor's name, but everybody knows him as Herman Munster, uh, which is another spoopy TV show you should watch. I can't believe we didn't Judd, say Adam's family his, or something. No, not Judge. I don't even remember. It might be Judge. I don't remember. I just remember it was Herman Munster, and I was really amused by that. So now we're going to move on to our feature film of this week. Yes. Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. And it is a 2006-2007 indie horror comedy mockumentary. Actually, it was filmed in 2005, I believe. Yes. But it wasn't released until 2006, and it was a very small, independent film. It was originally a script written by, and I've heard his name said, David Steve, which is spelled S-T-I-E-V-E. And it's really his only major work, although he has written some other stuff, and I'll go into that at the end because I heard some stuff that's kind of cool that I would like to check out more, but I didn't hear about it until today. Um, and it also was kind of co-wrote by the director, Scott Glosserman, um, who also has named all of his production companies and future projects after the town that this movie takes place, place in, Glen Echo. Um, basically, Scott Glosserman, I, I'm not sure what his degree is, but I know that his thesis was in on The Shining. So he likes to study horror movies. And this movie is a giant homage to classic horror movies, especially like 80s slasher flicks. Not so much 90s. It was definitely more 80s. Like it, it kind of has a feel like Cabin in the Woods or Scream where it knows the rules and it's poking fun at it, but it, it, it turns into something much different than either of those movies did. Um, I think they're all different enough that I think you could, they would make a great triple feature to watch all three of those and just look at all the different homages to horror movies. Um, But I guess we'll start with a summary that's pretty spoiler free. We will get to spoilers eventually. In an homage to all things horror, Behind the Mask tells the story of a young, naive filmmaker, Taylor, who, along with her small camera crew, Doug and Todd, are filming a documentary on the night stalkers who terrorize small towns. To get an inside look on the industry, they contact and befriend the charming and seemingly stable Leslie Vernon. He agrees to let the filmmakers document his process as he prepares to return to his ancestral home of Glen Echo and begin his reign of terror. But will they maintain journalistic integrity or join in the mayhem? behind the mask anyways uh that's i mean i don't want to tell too much more about it but that's did i leave anything out for people to know about anything you found out that was kind of cool before anything non-spoilery we want to talk about yeah um i think it it happens within the first like couple minutes of the movie you find out and we may have touched upon this in the last 
podcast too. So in this world, serial uh, slashers are real. Like mm-hmm. so, Jason, Freddy, Michael Myers—they're all real, and um, they're almost treated like uh, it's not that they're celebrities essentially but like two people like leslie vernon they are celebrities like they're these like masters of the art so to real people it's kind of mm-hmm. like problematic like yeah there's these really there's these slashers and it devastates these small towns which i thought was the coolest thing um in the opening scene like yeah it's really like it affects the town yeah that it happens in yeah I, I really do want to talk about the opening scene because i love so basically you get like a teaser opening scene which so there are two versions of the film there's the original release, and then there's a slightly longer version. And I think the original release starts with Taylor's monologue and introduction, but there's a little pre-scene right before that. Now, every every version I've watched has has had the pre-scene. Um, did yours have that? Oh, with, um, uh, Kelly? with Kelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So basically, like, you get a little teaser of, like, a classic... Um, horror movie trope where like a girl late night high schooler this is her night job after school she goes to take up the trash the door locks behind her she sees something and she runs and that's like you're like there's that and then you start with this documentary style um introduction and basically the whole movie is filmed like a mockumentary except for a couple scenes that are like they're like they're 35 millimeter like horror movie um, just like regular movie, which is kind of jarring. The first time you see it, it gets better. I think with more watches, when you understand what's going on, you're like, oh, I get it. Um, but so basically, it starts out, and Taylor, who's like a tiny little blonde girl, um, she's giving this beautiful monologue about how like the town of Haddonfield was terrorized by Michael Myers, and how on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger, like terrorizes people in their sleep and camp crystal lake has never been the same and you're like okay this is real which i like that they said it so it's like what would happen if these things were real and how would people handle that and surely somebody would you know honor those terrible people um but i've but i really like that they go into all of this and they really set the scene up really well also there's a cameo by Kane, Kane and Hodder. Thank you. I was like, what is his last name? Kane Hodder, who played Jason Voorhees, but he's actually on Elm Street. They filmed, they did film at the actual Crystal Lake, and they filmed the actual Elm Street from Nightmare on Elm Street. They did, although the actors weren't there, um, but they did film scenes from that. And Kane Hodder is like walking to the Elm Street house, and he played Jason Voorhees in several Friday the 13th. Yeah, he's Movies. my brother. He's my brother's favorite, Jason. Also, non-spoiler, he does have a cameo at the very end of the film, and I think you also know which scene I'm talking about. End credits. Oh no, I was gonna say it. I was like, I don't want to say it, but also, yeah, this movie yeah. has a really cool end credit scene. But we won't talk about that until we get into spoilers. Um, but it's, it's it just kind of sets you up, and I love that it's a mockumentary because I don't know about you, Britt, but some of my favorite, even non-scary movies, are mockumentaries. Like I love The Office. Which I know isn't a movie, but I love The Office. I love Parks and Rec. I also really love all, like, the Best in Show movies. Any Christopher Guest movie. I Well, there's been a couple not-so-great Christopher Guest movies, but I generally like them. Drop Dead Gorgeous. 
which I just found out one of my coworkers has never seen Drop Dead Gorgeous, and I was like, where have you been living? That's such a good movie. Also kind of creepy, because there's some real dark shit in Drop Dead Gorgeous. Anyways, it's a great opening. It really sets the stage, and you're like, okay, what the hell is going on? And then you meet this guy, and they're like, so, yeah, we're going to follow around one of these people and see what his process is to prepare. And I'm is it just me, Britt, or the first, like inkling of an homage I think comes in the form of Taylor and Doug and Todd her camera crew because I was getting very Blair Witch Project vibes from it which had only been around for what was Blair Witch 1999 or 2000 I think it was 98 or 99 98 99 for sure yeah so it only been it was it was huge if you weren't around when Blair Witch Project came out like it was huge. And I remember my parents renting it, and I wanted to watch it so badly. And they said, no, no, no. You are going to get scared. But I listened through the vent in my bedroom because my bedroom was right above the living room. I listened to the whole movie through a vent because I was so, like, I want to see this movie. But I was 10, so I probably would I probably would have gotten really scared. But it, it, it has, like, the same kind of setup as Blair Witch where there's, like, a, a girl and two guys who are camera crew and they're kind of going into the unknown, and they're doing something kind of risky, and they're meeting this quote-unquote, like, psychopath at his house, and he's gonna, you know, uh, start a reign of terror, and it's just like, what the hell is going on? Um, but right away you meet Leslie, and he's just charming and funny, and they all become, like, buddies, which is so interesting. Yeah, and he's even, like, boyish, boyishly good-looking, so it's, like, he's cute, like, so, and it's, like, you look at him, and you're not intimidated or scared by him at all. No, he's so, like, sweet and almost kind. In fact, like, you know, of course, we want to go a little into the characters. I think Britt already said he's played by Nathan uh, Basel, Basil, 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 but everyone calls him Beasel because apparently on the set because mm-hmm. they misspelled his name on the call sheet. Which I was like, that's hilarious. Uh, he's actually a Juilliard graduate. And about seven months ago, he did an interview about this movie that was on YouTube. And he's like, he's been doing a lot of, like, um, television production. He kind of stepped away from acting. But he's trying to get back into it. So please give him a job. Because his performance is amazing in this movie. Um, but basically, I wrote down, like, he's a killer in the making. Preparing for his murderous return in his sleepy hometown Unlike the silent stalkers of most horror films, Leslie is charming and well-spoken, even kind. He's kind. Like, he's nice to everybody. He's, like, that friend that everybody likes. Like, that that cool guy. And then, like, Taylor, who's played by Angela Gothels, she's, like, she's very innocent. She's got kind of that, that short, strawberry, blonde hair. Like, she doesn't dress, like, super girly or anything. She's just always in sweaters. Also, they filmed this whole movie in and around Portland. So it's very, like, fall and crisp, and the setting is just, like, autumnal and, like, cold and spooky. And, like, there's a bunch of mist because it's always raining in Portland. And then, like, you don't really see the two camera guys until the very end of the movie, Doug and Todd. But, like, uh, one of them is very, very, uh, like, artsy, and one of them is very, very, like, just straightforward and kind of a goofball. And they actually, like, the thing I like about this movie is they wrote so many layers into the script, but also the filming process. When they were filming, they didn't just have them read their script, 
lines. They did have them ADR some stuff since they weren't on on screen, but they were on set for all of those scenes. They were there. Like they were like other other if if you've never like filmed anything. I remember this was a very famous day. I think we were in the same acting for the camera class, right, Brett? I don't know if you remember this day, but one of our beloved professors, Dr. We'll just say Dr. C. Won't say his last name just in case he doesn't want to be part of this, but Dr. C comes into like class one day just starting to blow our minds because he shows us like this scene. I can't remember the movie, but I think I think Michael Caine was in the scene, I wanna say. It was either that or Daniel Day Lewis, but I'm pretty sure it was a Michael Caine movie. And it's like a, a two shot scene where it's like one person is in on one camera and another person's on another camera and he just keeps pausing the movie and he's like guess what? Only one person was filming that day. They're talking to no one because they weren't even there because that's how they film movies. Do you remember that? I remember it being a funny day. I wonder, I think it may I remember we, uh, I wonder if it was uh, one of the scenes from like, I remember we did uh, some scenes from Hannah and her sisters. I know that's Michael Caine movie so I'm wondering if he was talking about a scene from Hannah and her sisters. Maybe I we did watch a couple scenes from that too. I just remember there was like maybe it was like Michael. I don't know. It doesn't matter the actor. It was just really funny because he was just ready to blow our minds. So if you didn't know, when people aren't on screen, because of the way Hollywood works, like big name movie companies, and because of like scheduling conflicts, a lot of times they just won't film with the same person. That's why they have stand-ins. Like we have friends who work in the industry literally as stand-ins and they basically stand in for other actors because they can't be there the whole time whether it's scheduling conflicts or sometimes it's just like it's like a union thing like they can't have too many people on a set and sometimes it's just like they can't afford to pay like the famous people like their salary hourly they're too expensive so they get somebody else to stand in for them when they don't actually need their face um but in this movie, they actually had them off off camera, but on set whenever their characters were. And I find that really cool because, like, it, it makes, makes it more real, even though I don't think they were the ones actually filming. But they were very specific in when – and I, I got, I've got mixed up which one is which. But one of them is very artsy, and you can tell it's his camera because it goes all Dutch angle and then the yeah. other one will be very straightforward because he's more of just like a more of like yeah, a news it's, um, so I, camera guy. Yeah, I think Todd is like the comic relief camera guy, and then you have Doug. And I think Doug is the more artsy camera guy. Yeah, I think so. And the guy that played Doug is Ben Pace, and uh, he I watched a couple mm-hmm. interviews. He's he's very like he's very uh, outspoken. He's much more goofball than he is in the movie and then Todd is played by Britton Spellings um, and that's really, I don't want to go into any of the other characters because it will definitely hit spoiler territory um, there's some surprises um, but there's some really cool cameos in this movie and if you are a fan of any horror genre um, especially slasher movies or like late 70s movies you'll be like absolutely astounded by the people that are in this movie um, there's some big names that, uh, I'm not really sure how they got, but apparently their big names were easier to get than using the song Psycho Killer. Um, although the, what is his name? The, the lead from the Talking Heads who sings, I can't remember his name now. 
apparently is pretty like protective of his property but he didn't have a problem with them using that song but whoever owns this like the company that owns the song like it took them like a year to get permission even though like they were gonna give them permission it's just like they take forever anyways um i don't know do you want to get into spoilers or is there anything else we want to talk just to get people to watch it um i i mean i just it's funny um i it's not a very long watch i want to say it's about an hour and 40 minutes so it's not like a movie that's going to take your entire night away i think it would be like a fun movie you can watch it by yourself our way a group of people and either way it's pretty fun oh and it's just like so it it's so under the radar which i think is really really cool like watching it and being like no one knows about this movie but they should because it's so much fun it's just like a pretty cool movie i really liked it yeah i will say i again i saw this movie probably 2008 i want to say and i'm surprised how many people have still not heard of this movie because it really i think it's this almost maybe not production quality but i think script quality it, it can give cabin in the woods a run for its money um, I think so. Scream, definitely. I love Scream, but I, I think this script might be smarter than Scream. Scream was more, like, fun, and Scream was more popular. Um, don't get me wrong, I love Scream. It's a great horror movie, um, but it is in itself an homage to it. But I just think it's a very smart movie, but it's also, it doesn't take itself very seriously. Maybe that's why I like it. Even though, like, I know they put a lot of work and effort into making a lot of layers. But they're not, like, they're not being pretentious about it. You know? And they're accessible. And it's just fun. I don't know. I love this movie. I think it's really fun. It's a fun Halloween movie. Um, I think you should watch it. It's on Amazon Prime and Shudder. Um, Amazon Prime has, like, the anniversary edition that supposedly has, like, an extra minute. But I, I've watched it twice now with the, Am- the the Amazon version that has extra time. I'm not really sure what the extended scene is because I was like, I feel like I remember all of this. Um, but I also own it on DVD. So maybe I already had the extended cut and I just forgot. I don't know. Maybe I've never seen the original cut. Um, but it's it isn't very long and... Yeah, like, it's really, it's really, it's a good movie. It's really funny. And I'm sad there's not a sequel because they, they tried to do a sequel. They wrote a sequel. Um, and apparently it was, according to the, uh, Nathan Basil, Basil, uh, Basel, sorry. Um, according to him, it was, he probably won't care, but he's, he seems like a nice guy. Um, According to him, it was as good, if not a little better, than the original script. And, by the way, this movie seems like it's improv Like, did you get that feeling, Britt? Yeah, some scenes for sure. It's 95% yeah. scripted. I was surprised. I was shocked. Because, like, they were like, how much of this was improv? Like, 60-40? And they were like, no, it's like 95% script. Like, we didn't improv that much. But I think they kind of change the script along with the characters. Um, there are improv scenes. But I like how natural it feels. Like, everything flows really well. And that's why I think a lot of people think it's an improv movie, like a Christopher Guest movie. And it's really not. And I didn't know that until recently. I assumed a lot of it was improv. And then I was like, oh, okay. So, But the script for the second, the sequel was written. And they didn't make their money for their Kickstarter campaign. 
which I didn't know they were doing one, or else I would have donated some money because I want to see a second version of this movie. Um, but they turned that script into a comic book, like a six-part comic book, which I really want to read now. I didn't know that until today. I was like, what did they do? But it still says on both the director and the writer's IMDb page that they're working on it. So maybe they'll do it with different actors. Maybe they'll change it. What they were saying was the script became a little dated after a few years. And they were just like, I, it would be better not to like, you know, just leave well enough alone. But I'm a little disappointed that there wasn't a second one. Because this movie, I, I think they would have done it well. I think they would have found a good way to do a sequel. Anyways, okay. I guess we'll stop talking about spoiler-free stuff. Um, we'll definitely put a timestamp in. For after the spoilers start, um, if you just want to hear what next week's movie is going to be. But I highly recommend this movie. What about you, Britt? Oh, yeah, definitely. I would say definitely. It's a, it's fun. I think you can watch it with, like, a vast majority of people would enjoy this movie. I don't think anyone's going to be turned away. It's not – there is gore. It's not overly gory. Um, And there's not a lot of – new. there's a couple, like, a couple sex scenes, but they're more funny. Than anything else, they're not really, like... Yeah. There's not a bunch of nudity or anything. So, I would definitely recommend it. Like, as long as everyone's, like, 13 and up, everyone will probably enjoy watching this movie, I would say. I think even your nephew could probably watch it, Britt. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And he... I mean, he's seen worse anyway, but yeah, he could definitely <laughs> watch it. Yeah. Well, I think you'd be safe not to scar him for life with this movie. It's one of the least risky horror movies you can show a kid. Except for maybe yes. Psycho. I don't know. But Psycho is kind of scary. I love Psycho, but, like, I do think it might scar some children. Some people might not ever want to take a shower again. Yeah, I, when I think of movies that would scar children, I'm like, Hostel would be not a movie I would oh show a child. Oh, my God. I don't <laughs> like watching Hostel. I saw the end of it before I don't the either. beginning, and I was like the eyeball thing i was like no no and then the train thing and then the toilet seat thing and i was just like this is and my sister's ex well now ex-boyfriend but at the time boyfriend was just watching it at her house while we were trying to put i think like we were trying to put a grill together and i was just like what is this movie this is awful it's just it's just torture porn that's all it is i'm sorry but that's all hostile yep, is. exactly the second hostile movie though i think it's the second one it might be the third one has roger bart in it which, if you don't know who Roger Bart, this is a little bit of a tangent, but if you don't know who Roger Bart is, he was in the original cast of the producers on Broadway, and he was in the movie. He also had a really great character arc on Desperate Housewives, where he was this creepy pharmacist who poisoned somebody's husband because he was in love with them, slowly. Um, he's great. He's done a lot of really funny, broad comedy but for some reason, he's, like, the guy on the cover of Hostel 2. And I haven't seen all of Hostel 2 because I wasn't interested. I was like, why is Roger Bart in this movie? Because he's such a broad, comedic actor, and I love him. He's also a really, really good singer. Oh, and he played Snoopy in the revival of Your Good Man, Charlie Brown, with Kristen Chenoweth and Ad Anthony Rapp. Aww. So, he's, like, he's a great singer, and he's a really great Broadway talent. But I always, I found it funny that he... Has made it onto television, but the only movie I've really seen him in, like, on the cover, on the poster for, was, like, Hostel 2. And I was like, why are you in that? And I looked it up. I was like, is this actually Roger Bart? It's Roger Bart. What the hell? Um, but, you know, it's fun. 
uh, it's I don't know, I haven't seen that movie, but uh, tangent. There's a Broadway actor just in Hostel Two for some reason. It's fine. Um, anyways, I think it's time to get into spoilers. Woo! I guess we should give a disclaimer. So we're I'm in the middle of moving and I'm staying at my parents' house for a week, and we're having internet connectivity. So we're trying to film on each on our own end, uh, like record our uh, audio. So if one of us peters out or it sounds weird, we apologize. But we were too excited about this movie to not film. So yeah, and that's know. why I keep being quiet because like I, I'm still having the issues that like. You'll be quiet, and then all your dialogue comes in at once. So I'm like, okay, there it is. Like, I'll see you talking, and then the audio catches up afterwards. So I'm just like, don't want to cut you off. So <laughs> I know, me too. And I'm just like, yay! And then I'm like, oh shit, gotta wait. Oh no. But hopefully, this works out and it'll be okay. We'll see. Um, if not, uh, it'll be fine. We'll, we'll figure it out. It's gonna be fine. Maybe it'll be easier to edit with us taking long pauses, you know? I don't know. It might be better. It might be worse. I don't know. But anyways, on to spoilers. What do we want to talk about first? We want to, You want to go through the plot? Or you want to... Yeah. Yeah, so we can go for the plot a little bit first. I think that would be good. Do you, do you want to start after the documentary part? And after Meet Leslie, since I was talking for a bit? Oh, um, no, I think I'll let you, um, I think I'll let you take a little bit of the reins because you've seen this one so many times, um, and I'm enjoying listening to you talk about it, um, but then when you come to something that I feel the need to say, I may be like, Katie, Katie, and then, like, talk yes. to you. Or you maybe raise your hand since, like, I can kind of see, I'm gonna try to pay attention. Okay. This is, a, this is a fun version of, you know, it's, 2020 is a great year. <laughs> Grandhouse girls. Grandhouse girls. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, okay. So, so we meet Leslie Vernon. We've got Taylor, Todd, and Doug, and they start um, becoming very friendly with him. And I love. There's this great scene where Taylor. They've obviously spent a long time setting up this beautiful like. Um, set up for the interview, like there's all these candles in the background and the lighting's all uh, moody and shit. And she's like getting like her best like Barbara Walters like interview. She's just like, yes, tell us, tell us how you prepare, uh, Leslie. And then he's just like, he just throws them for a loop. And he's like, okay, let's go. And she's like, where are we going? Like they obviously spent like two hours like setting up this thing, and they're like, what the fuck? So then they go to his old house. Um, and the story of Leslie Vernon, as you learn in her opening, in Taylor's opening dialogue, is that, um, his parents abused him and he killed them one night and the whole town, uh, gathered him up, tied his arms and legs to, I think, some rocks and tossed him down the waterfall, which gave me a lot of Twin Peaks vibe, that big waterfall, because that's a big... I don't know, like, I don't even think anybody gets thrown off that waterfall in Twin Peaks, but it's definitely a big part of it, because every opening uh, credit scene of Twin Peaks has that giant waterfall. Um, so another homage, I guess. And, uh, and, and because the water was so cold, uh, he never came up and turtles ate his bones. Haha, <laughs> get it? He has turtles. <laughs> it's, it's a callback. You don't even find that out until later. I love it. 
Um, so he's like, so this is the farmhouse. And he takes them through, like, the farmhouse. And he starts explaining to them, like, all the preparation he goes through. Like, the cardio. He's like, you gotta, you gotta make it look like you're not running, but you are running. And it's, which is a very funny scene. And um, I feel like I'm not doing it justice because definitely watch the movie because you'll get the comedic timing better. I hope you've watched the movie before you're listening to us talk about it. Um, but basically he's going through the process and I think the first thing, I think we see this before the scene with Eugene, is he kind of shows them how you pick up out a group of kids to go after, which is sick. But also, like, again, it's a very funny scene. They're basically sitting in a van, and he's, like, scoping out a high school in a neighboring town, and he starts talking about, like, how, okay, like, so here's the jocks. You want the jocks because the, they're, they're fast, and they got healthy libidos, but then you need some stoner kids over here, and you need, you need people that will mix together and hang out, so you got a little bit of everything, but you need a survivor girl to like bring them all together and he he points out one girl and he's like like her and then they kind of like lock eyes and he's like oh my god did you feel that oh my god and he points out the fact that obviously the girl that he's pointing at i'm sorry Britt, were you gonna say something no and i love it because in that sack scene too so there's the little girls doing the jump rope from uh-huh. nightmare on elm street so i'm like oh it's the little girls from nightmare on elm street that one two freddy's coming for you and so it's really like great visually too mm-hmm. um and that is a very funny scene you're talking about because he literally he goes yeah you want those guys they they pad your numbers because he's literally talking about like making a higher body count based on <laughs> I like these kids being slow stoners and you know and he's like yeah, yeah. and so it's very <laughs> it's very funny and that's like I think part of the uh, dark charm of this movie is that like he's literally talking about killing teenagers but um, it's just the way he says it it's just <laughs> yeah it, it's totally made palatable and entertaining by the writing and the performance together um, and I love the little girls because they're also in their, like, little First Communion outfits, which, to, which by the way, I think I said this in our last episode, one of the reasons why I've had a hard time, like, sitting down and watching Nightmare on Elm Street is because one of my friends, when I was really little, her older sister told us about the Freddie song, and it really freaked me out as a little kid. So, like, those little girls, I was like, oh, no, it's the Freddie girls. It, there's a lot of little homages. Um, and it, it's just very funny. And, like, apparently, because... Because it was an independent movie, and because the people of Portland were so willing to help out, apparently Portland just welcomed their uh, crew with open arms. Um, And they had a skeleton crew. All the mockumentary stuff, pretty much, they had, like, a skeleton crew. Because they waited until the big actors, and they waited for, like, the big movie scenes to actually use their full crew. Because, again, it was an independent movie. They were trying to save money. But they filmed that whole thing in, like, three takes. Wow. That whole thing. And that was, it's very complicated because you have the main people sitting in a van, but then you have, like, you have to have everyone come in and go out at the same time, and the camera has to move. It's very choreographed. But they got it together and did it in, like, apparently they had, like, an hour of daylight. So they just were like, we got three takes. Let's do it. And it is great. Um, but he sees the one girl who he says, that would be my survivor girl. And he points out the fact that, like, oh, she's a virgin obviously and taylor's just like what do you mean obviously which i love because it's definitely foreshadowing some stuff later on in the movie but you know that's the the classic horror movie trope is that 
Uh, and they do a lot of this with, like, you know, if you're a virgin, you can survive. You're not going to die. Like, they make fun of that on Boy Meets World. The And there, there was Sean episode, which is probably my favorite Halloween episode of any television series that's a horror movie. It's really good. Um, and, like, that's a it, – it, that comes back a lot in this movie. Um, but he's like, well, obviously, just look at her. I just – I can sense these things. Like, who's, like – I can't remember what the he, he has a lot of references to like things he's like 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 a I don't can't remember what the reference was but anyways um so then they're like oh is she your target and he's like no 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 if I was just picking her out like we would have you know he's like no I've already had them picked out forever and you find out that his target girl is actually in Glen Echo which is his hometown and her name is Kelly and she works as a waitress in a little diner and she's the girl you saw in the first scene and um um before you meet kelly you um i think well maybe they do that scene before you meet eugene yeah i think they do yeah they do the the they kind of show the opening scene where kelly gets scared taking the trash out but from the opposite side of like them preparing for it and he was like he gets Todd and Taylor and Doug to help him scare her, which they do because they're like, well, we're just scaring her. It's fine. They're just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess. They're not really sure what they're getting themselves into. And they they do it well, and they're all like, oh, that was so great. It's amazing. But you're also like, you're terrorizing, like, a 16-year-old. Like, that's not cool, guys. But, like, the movie makes it seem like you understand where they're coming from. Like, I would probably react the same way because I'm like, this is great because – Throughout the whole movie, especially the first couple times I watched it, there's definitely an air of, like, do they realize what they're helping him do? Like, or, or do they just think he's crazy? Like, I'm I'm curious. But it's also, like, there are journalists who have done things terrible. There's definitely a journalist. Now I'm blanking. But there's definitely, like, journalists who have, like, ran with rough people who have done bad things and witnessed the bad things happening to get the story and so I'm like, I, I guess it's kind of like that, but there is definitely a morally gray area. And um, that's an interesting aspect to this movie is like, when is it, when is it being a journalist and when are you crossing the line into helping someone commit atrocities, basically? Like, what, where do you draw the line? Um, but you get to enjoy just a funny movie throughout that. You don't have to think about that the first time you see it. Um, so then you go to Leslie's best friend's house, and the man's name is Eugene, and it is played by, I, I, I think he would be a horror icon now, but I don't think he was at the time of this movie being filmed, because he had done a lot of film, but not so much horror, although he was apparently in The Exorcist 3, which priest he was, um, but it's, he's played by Scott Wilson, who, if you ever watch The Walking Dead, he plays Herschel, yes. um, who's the doctor. Um, at some point, his leg is amputated, and he has two daughters? One daughter? Two daughters? Two daughters? Yeah, no, two daughters. So, yeah, he, um, they, you meet Herschel in the second season. He's a veterinarian. Um, oh, but yeah. Because he's a veterinarian, he can, do, he can do a lot of doctor work. But, yeah, he's uh, the father of Maggie and Beth, so... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Beth annoyed the uh, shit out of, of course, me. I'm sorry, Beth. It's not the actress's fault. They just gave her a lot of corny things. Like, there's one there's one episode where, like, she's just singing. 
in a field at night, but there's, like, zombies around. Why would you be singing? Because it's gonna, like, I get that they're trying to escape the zombies, like, mentally, but also I'm like, but you're just gonna attract the zombies with your singing. Like, find a basement and sing. Come on. I think what it is is that the actress who plays Beth is also a musician, and I think they're just wanting to showcase her talent is what I think was going on. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But, you know, when I'm watching the TV show, I'm like, um, this doesn't make any sense, Walking Dead. And, I mean, but that's not even, that's that was a season that was still pretty good. That was the season where they went to the jail, and that was fine. Yeah. That was okay. It was fine season. It was all good. There was, there was drama. I enjoyed that season. And then, like, the next season was pretty okay. And then the season after that, I just kind of stopped watching. Um, but anyways, but he's a fantastic actor. Scott Wilson, unfortunately, he has passed away. Um, but he was, I mean, he looks older in this movie. Um, he kind of looked exactly the same as he does in The Walking Dead. Because he's one of those people that, it's like Leslie Nielsen. He reached a certain age, and then he just, like, stopped aging. Like, yeah. he was like, I got white hair. And am I 50 or 75? Nobody knows. Um, which is why when Leslie Nielsen died, I was like, wait, he's so... I don't even know what age he is. I can't say so young. I can't say so old. Um, but um, he has a wife who's played by Bridget Newton, who the actress, she's done a lot of television. Um, she's one of the few actors from this project um, that wasn't like already established that is actively working in television. Good for her. Um, her name is Jamie. And uh, do you know who uh, Eugene is supposed to be? Because he's a retired... Okay, because I was really excited. So basically, Eugene, it's not in the script, but it is highly implied that Eugene is a retired slasher. They say that. But he's su- specifically supposed to be Billy from Black Christmas. Yeah. Which, if you've ever seen Black Christmas, maybe we'll do it for a Christmas episode. I don't know. The original, not that remake, because I don't want to see that remake. Um, the original Black Christmas is uh, genuinely terrifying. Um, and it took place in the 70s. And I think in this movie, there's a lot of little lines between Eugene and Jamie that make me think that he was her survivor girl. Or she was his survivor girl. Yes. It's, yes, definitely. Definitely. Which is kind of creepy, but also cute. And also kind of sets the scene for some later stuff in the movie between Leslie and his survivor girl. Yeah. They're very much like, oh. So, like, I don't know. Is it good that they ended up getting married and they're happy? Or is it awful? Yeah, and there's literally the quote from Eugene that he's like, um, so one is like, Black Christmas takes place in the 70s, which makes him the right age for Billy, but then he's like, we hit hard, wiped everything out, and disappeared as soon as we could. Um, and so it makes like, you know, a mention of like, one hit wonders who make a bloody mess of some sorority somewhere, which is exactly what Billy did in Black Christmas. So it's very, it's yeah. very smart. It's something that, like, if you're a horror movie buff, it's right on the nose. But if you didn't see Black Christmas, it'd really be like, okay. Like, you just think he's talking. Yeah, it, it could work for a lot of different movies. There's also, well, there's the there's the Bad Sorority Row that I actually saw, which has Carrie Fisher in it as the house mom, that I actually saw on a first date with my ex-boyfriend. Because he said, what movie do you want to go see? And I looked at all the movies and I said, well, there's nothing good, so let's see something terrible because it'll be fun. So we saw Sorority Row. It was terrible. Um, but there was a Sorority Row movie or, like, Murder on Sorority Row that was kind of similar to Black Christmas but not as good. 
when you go to Eugene and Jamie's house, on the table there is a puzzle box from Hellraiser. Yes, the Cenobites. Yes, but I can't, it was like the the puzzle box of I don't know lamentation or something. I don't know. Honestly, uh, if I'm hot yeah. take, I finally saw Hellraiser a few years ago. The makeup is really cool. All the practical effects are really gross and like great. I don't find it scary because all I have to do is not play with the puzzle box and they're not going to come after me. I'm like, why would I play with an evil puzzle box? Why would I do that? Like, who would do that? So, and that's the thing, and we'll get into this tangent, but like all Clive Barker's stories, like obviously Hellraiser is based on like the, um, what the hell is the short story called? It's the something heart. The something heart is what the Hellraiser movies are based on. But basically, like in the story, I can't even remember. This is going to drive me crazy now. But it's like a short story. But in the short story, of course, like there are like, okay, like I have had the max sexual pleasure possible. Like now I associate pain with sexual pleasure. I need to have like the highest pain possible. So, like, the guy who seeks out the Cenobites is like, you know, he's thinking it's, like, something BDSM, and it's like, no. No, it is fucking awful. So, yeah, all these short stories are, like, definitely, like, very twisted and disgusting. And I think that was something about Hellraiser when it came out at the time is that it was just really nasty. (laughs) Oh, the Hellbound Heart. The Hellbound Heart. I had to Google it. Also, Thank by you. the way, I I just googled Clive Barker because I was like curious what it was. Uh, on the uh, just a few days ago, September twenty fourth, twenty twenty, he said, "Guys, I'm here. I'm back. It's a long silence, but I know. But I'm returning to the fold with a new novel, Deep Hill, a large collection of out of print short stories, new short stories, and a novella called Mercy and the Jackal. The collection to be called Fear Eternal. So Clive Barker's got some new stuff coming our way." So cool. He, I like Clive Barker. He has some. In, I mean, I think the lore of Hellraiser is cool, and I think all the the creature creation, the the design of the creatures are really cool. The Cenobites look awesomely cool and creepy. It's just, it's not. It's kind of like Candyman. I really like that movie, but I'm like, I'm not gonna say that name three times in a in a mirror. Anyways, so we meet Eugene and Jamie, and they're very supportive. Of Leslie. And Eugene actually is, like, in a, uh, what do they call, a deprivation tank. Basically, he does that as a survival tactic, and he's just hanging out, and he's been out there for, like, three days. And he's, like, 70, and his wife's, like, like yeah, he's fine. It's all good. Um, but they're very supportive of Leslie. And they're like, oh, it sounds so great. It sounds like Kelly's really working out for you. Um, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And they're talking about who the red herring is going to be and taylor's like what's the red herring and he's like you know it's somebody you know close to taylor but not directly associated with her that she can um see murdered and it'll kind of yeah kelly did i say who would i say taylor oh no taylor was asking the question oh okay answering it about kelly so kelly has to be indirectly okay yeah you said someone close to taylor yeah yeah so. <laughs> taylor kelly whatever <laughs> our again our sound is being weird so like it's fine but uh <laughs> but uh kelly 
has to know them, but it's not like a friend. Um, and that's what they they point out to Leslie, like you can't kill one of her friends yet. You have to kill someone who like she knows, and she like will notice that they've been murdered, but not someone she's super close to. So they pick a librarian, and the librarian happens to be played by the fabulous Zelda Rubenstein. Um, who, uh, if you don't know Zelda Rubenstein, you know Zelda Rubenstein. Um, she played, uh, the, the poltergeist, uh, psychic, the psychic in Poltergeist. All, I think all of the movies, I think she comes back a couple times. Um, she also played Madame Serena in Teen Witch, which is one of my favorite, like, stupid Halloween movies. I love Teen Witch. It's also kind of a musical, which I always forget Teen Witch is kind of a musical until people start rapping, like, super white children in the 80s start rapping, and you're just like, why? But it's pretty good. Top That is one of my all-time favorite stupid scenes of movies. I mean, it's it's great. Um, And she also, the first time I heard her voice was on this little TV show on, I don't remember if it was called Fox Family or ABC Family at the time, but it was, I think it's now Freeform. But it's changed names several times. But it was Scariest Places on Earth. And Linda Blair hosted it. But the person who was like, And now we go to the creepiest place ever. I can't do a good Zelda Rubenstein. Um, impre- like, That's actually yeah, not that thing. bad. Well, she, she has a lot higher pitched voice, but she also sounds super creepy. She's like, and then. I don't know. It's not very good. But anyways, she was like the narrator. And she like has this really great creepy voice when she wants to she also can just sound fun but basically she's gonna be the red herring and again leslie gets them to um participate and um they're this is probably one of my favorite scenes is the library scene um maybe because my favorite line in the entire movie is spoken in this and I quoted like a bunch of people that I watched it with the first time we quoted this all the time which is the classic Paradise Lost found it which was improv um, it's one of the few lines that was improv but it's one of the best ones um, and it's because they're in a library and he it's like a magic trick um, that's the other thing is I like that they bring into the fact that one of the reasons why slashers can do things that seem like magic is because like a lot of them know sleight of hand and he's like he's like studying Houdini and stuff like he takes them to their house and he's reading all these like Houdini books and like Grey's Anatomy and like 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 cool stuff like I was like that's an interesting job if you didn't have to murder people like basically um anyways now I feel stupid see the silence makes me feel like I was like ah. I'm just kidding it's fine no, it's not that. I'm just listening. No, and, and <laughs> again, our sound is off. So, um, anyways, um, so he basically kills the librarian after she does this beautiful reading of the story of Leslie Vernon. And I think the best part is, like, not only, like, so he, there is a story in the newspaper about Leslie Vernon and the story about his parents. And, um... He plants another fake news article, you know, hashtag fake news, in the library and in the microfiche. And, um... Oh, he plants it to make it look like, um, Kelly's fictional great uncle, great uncle 
yes, raped his fictional mother. Mm-hmm. And so Kelly's, like, freaking out. And Zelda Rubenstein's character's like, don't worry, it's, it's just a story. And then, like, he comes out of nowhere and just, like, kills her. And then probably the best cameo in the movie is by Robert England, who played Freddy Krueger in all of the older Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And is just, like, a delightful man. From what I've heard, apparently he's just real sweet. Um, but he is very into the lore of Nightmare on Elm Street. And he is very famous for doing cameos. Like, he's very willing to work. Um, and he, he kind of seems to, like, enjoy his character. And honestly, Freddy Krueger is one of the few serial killer slashers that, like, has a personality. Like, Michael Myers doesn't really have a personality. Jason Voorhees doesn't really have a personality. Freddy Krueger has a personality. Like, he makes jokes, and he's lewd, and he's also a child murderer, you know. But he has a personality, which makes him a lot more interesting, and that's, I think, why Robert England is so recognizable. But they dress him up exactly like Dr. Loomis from Halloween. And also, yes. his name is Doc Halloran, which is like Doc, which is Danny Torrance's nickname on The Shining, and then Halloran is Dick Halloran's last name, and I was like, I see what you did there. Doc Halloran. I love it. Um, and he is Leslie's Ahab. He tries to stop him, and he actually shoots him, and uh, Taylor, that's a great line where Taylor's like, we got an Ahab! What's an Ahab? Because she has no idea. And uh, an Ahab is like a person who will fight for good. He's basically Dr. Loomis. He is he is there to catch Leslie. Leslie is his white whale and he's going to shut him down and apparently it's a good thing. And because you know, we see uh Ahabs in pretty much every maybe not Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't think there's one in Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th, but there definitely is Dr. Mm-hmm. Loomis in Halloween who is Probably one of the best parts of Halloween. Yeah, I was about to say, he's even dressed just like Dr. Loomis from Halloween. And he gives, like, a stellar, just, like, impersonation of Dr. Loomis from Halloween, too. They also, like, have his, like, beard perfectly cut like Dr. Loomis's. His hair is done. It's great. And there's a scene where, like, so then, like, Taylor starts to, like, kind of rethink things. Because she's like, but these are people and you just murdered someone. And so they they go to try to warn Kelly at her job. But Doc Halloran's hanging out and he's. He, like, kind of intimidates them, and they're like, okay, bye, sorry, and, um, he's like, yes, catch me later, he says something like, catch me later, or you'll be seeing me again, and it's very, like, it's awesome, I love Robert England, he's such a, I don't, I love seeing him as random cameos in movies, because he's such a good actor, and he just brings his presence to anything, and he's not acting like Freddy Krueger at all, which I think is the best part, is, like, he doesn't have to stick to the same character, like, yes, everybody knows him as Freddy Krueger, but, he has a lot of range, and he can really bring things to characters. But he also just, I don't know, he has just a fun presence. He's kind of like, um, oh, shit, Bruce, um, what the hell is his name? Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. From Evil Dead, who also, like, pretty much always plays the same character in everything. Um, he's, he's definitely has less, sorry, Bruce Campbell, I really love you, but he is, has a little less range than Robert England, like, acting-wise, but he brings a personality to every project he's in. <laughs> that's true. And that's why I very much enjoy anything that he, like, cameos in. Or also, like, I don't know if you saw Ash versus the Evil Dead, 
which was like a TV show they did. It was pretty good. I watched like the first season. It was good. So, uh, but it's mostly just Bruce Campbell being Bruce Campbell. And also he and Robert England also like go to like conventions and things. Like they're not afraid to meet fans. Um, anyways, um, so, uh, they try to warn Kelly and that's the one rule that Leslie said, no, no, you cannot talk to Kelly. It will ruin everything. And so they get into a fight with Leslie. Yeah. And this is the first time, like, he seems dangerous to me. Was it just me? No, it's very true. Because, like, because, so you find out from Dr. Dr. Holleran um, that Leslie is not who he says he is. He is uh, Leslie Mancuso. Mancuso? And that uh, he, Minesco? I'm sorry, Minesco. Minesco, I think. is it Minesco? Maybe it's Minesco. it's Minesco. I may be pronouncing but, it wrong. I'm so sorry. But he, I think so. No, I know. You're probably you right. You're talking. the one who's seen this it. way more times than I have. So, <laughs> But um, he, he's like, you know, he's from he's from Reno. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. And Taylor goes, Les, well, Leslie, she said to the point of, have you ever been to Reno? And he takes her by the face and he just slams her up against the van. And so, like, obviously, she's hit a sore mm-hmm. spot. And so I believe it's the next scene. He does apologize to her, and he does admit that, like, hey, like, yeah, I'm not Leslie Vernon, but I do have to have an origin story. Like, you know, there's a reason I came here. And, um, yeah, it's just basically, so he is a fraud, but he's also very committed to this at this point, too. Right. At this point, to I don't know if you fought this at all the first time you watched this movie, but at this point, I was like, he's not the real Leslie Vernon. I thought the plot twist was going to be the real Leslie Vernon was going to show up. Ah, uh, you know, I don't think I really, like, knew what the movie was when I watched it, so I, I didn't think that, but that would have been very interesting to have the real Leslie Vernon show up. Yeah, or maybe the been prequel... Int- was him meeting the real Leslie Vernon because he does say he was in a psych ward in Reno and that's how he knows Doc Halloran. Maybe they met there. Yeah, and that's what I thought. I thought it may have been something like, you know, he has this whole idea he's going to be Leslie Vernon and then he's going in and then suddenly he, like, becomes the hunted because, like, the real Leslie Vernon is, like, a Jason Voorhees type character. That's what I thought was going to happen. So I felt, like, pretty confident in myself. I'm like, I know what the plot twist is going to be. And then, of course, I was totally wrong. (laughs) But, I mean, that would have been interesting, too. Oh, by the way, this was Zelda Rubenstein's last movie, by the way. Oh. Yeah, that would have been a very interesting twist to it. I think that would have been good, too. I wonder, though, if the prequel was, like, he met the real Leslie Vernon, heard his story... And then, like, maybe he died, and he was like, I'm going to take over your legacy. That would be an interesting prequel. Because oh. you could maybe cast somebody as a teenage Leslie, and so you wouldn't have to have the same actor, and maybe have Nathan ba- Basel. I heard his name said, like, five times, and I'm still, like, not saying his name right. Anyways, Nathan. We'll just call him Nathan. Um, and you could have Nathan, like, be telling the story to someone, so the actor, because I love that actor, and I want to see him in more stuff, but I think if you're going to do a prequel, he's much too old to play that character now, because it, it was, like, 15, 16 years ago, so, you know, like, we all get older, like, that's fine, but I don't think he can play himself as a younger person, unless they have a lot of budget, and they can use that Tom Cruise digital de-aging, 
stuff. Maybe the Scientologists will let them borrow it. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> sorry, Scientologists. It's a joke. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I kind of wish something like that would happen. I do like the twist, though. I feel like the twist, like, the first time it happens, you're like, oh, my God. But the second and third time you watch the movie, it's like, like, there's so much set up for the twist that it's like, of course this is what was supposed to happen. Um, but I do think, like, I didn't really, I was genuinely surprised with what happened in the movie the first time I watched it. I was like, oh, I think that's why I liked it so much, because I was like, this is so different. But it's funny, because I like funny. Like, I think my favorite horror movies, honestly, other than, like, the the, the ones like The Shining that are, like, creepy and scary, I like the ones with humor. Like, Rear Window isn't really completely a horror movie. There is horror elements. It's more of a thriller. But there's so much com comedy in Rear Window, and I think it's one of Hitchcock's best movies ever. And I, I just enjoy it so much. And I think, like, this kind of echoes that, where it's mostly fun, but then it turns super serious when it needs to, which is why I love it so much. Um... Yeah, and then, so we finally um, go to the house, and they, they decide, they you know, they kind of stop talking to each other, and then they have this, like, kind of come to Jesus, like, we're sticking it through, and um, I don't know, at first you're like, I was a little disappointed in them, I was like, he's already killed one person, you're already an accessory to murder, and now you know that he's a fraud, so why but I guess they just want to finish their movie I don't know I think also they just genuinely care about Leslie at this point yeah I I I mean I don't think it's a spoiler at this point to say there's definitely maybe some kind of sexual tension between Leslie and Taylor yes and that's yeah. I think the Jamie Eugene relationship sets that up very well because then like the the next time you see Eugene and Jamie they're saying kind of goodbye and good luck to Leslie and they kind of joke about how like uh he caught up to Jamie finally because <laughs> but she was fast like because she was his survivor girl and he yeah. finally caught her but in a romantic yeah. way not in a murdery way um but you kind of get the same vibes and you're kind of like okay so what's going on exactly and then he takes them to the house and he shows them this might be the best part. He kind of goes through the plan of what should happen that night. And he tells them all of his plans and he tells them how like he's rigged the window so they won't open. He's rigged the trees so people can't climb down. Like everything like that goes wrong in horror movies that you're like that would never go wrong. He's like preset it so of course it will go wrong. And they're like isn't that kind of cheating? He's like no 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 it's preparation. Um, and it seems fine because they're, like, removed from it, you know? But as they get closer to what's actually going to happen, they start thinking, like, wow, maybe this is not good. Um, it actually brings me to one of my favorite, like, scenes, too. So, like, right before mm -hmm. they the, the night that everything's happening, um, they're talking, and she's like, she's like, well, you know, what if they, like, go in the closet? And I may be, it's not verbatim, but she's like, what if they go in the closet? And he's like, oh, we don't, we don't get them out of the closet. He's like, the closet is sacred. It's like a womb. And when we're in the womb, we're all innocent. And she's like, does that mean you're pro-life, Leslie? 
And he just like deadpan looks He's at like, her. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite scenes in. <laughs> yeah, I think that line might movie. have been improv too i love it though and they also have this great scene where so he's like he goes through all like the imagery like so there's like the woman imagery with the closet then there's like kind of phallic imagery because every survivor girl kind of arms themselves with like a long uh rigid instrument like an axe or a hammer or like a sledge i guess sledgehammer is better than like a hammer hammer and he's like i mean even though i've rigged them all to break right after the first hit you know, it, you have to arm yourself with cock. So, which I was like, which is a funny line. And then so they're talking about, like, she's like, that's a little sexist. And he's like, no, it's not. It's fine because she's going to emasculate me if she beats me. Yeah. But um, she has to, like, travel through some yonic imagery, which this was the first time I'd heard the word yonic imagery, which is, like, the opposite of phallic imagery through the orchard that his mother's body was hanging from, like, you know, supposedly. And it's kind of like a birth canal, and she, like, is reborn as a... Wo- I think Taylor says it for him, a woman hell-bent on revenge um, after he's killed all their family. And his plan is that she will, you know, finally get him to the apple cider press, and she will crush his skull, and then she'll be, like, the survivor girl, and she'll become a new... So, like... It's interesting because he, like, wants her to kill him, but he doesn't want to die. But he wants her to, like, I don't know. He's almost, like, empowering her, but not. But she has to do it herself. It's very interesting. It's an interesting look at the horror movie because there are a lot of symbols in horror movies, even if they're being, like, brushed over. But I, I think there are horror movies where it's, it is symbolic. Um during like last house on the left and things like that but i mean there's a lot of imagery there's a lot of like moral lessons in horror movies like the rules if you've ever seen screen it's kind of old-fashioned but it makes sense why you can understand why those archaic rules would set up kind of the mythology of horror movies and obviously the people who wrote this movie like really really understand that obviously uh the director wrote his thesis on the shining so he probably likes to study horror movies. He's probably like me and Britt, where we're just like, let's analyze The Shining for four hours, shall we? Um, he probably did it for several semesters, so, you know, it's a pit. Like, we're a pittance compared to him. Um, but I, I like how he kind of explains it all, because I do start thinking about that now that I watch horror movies. I'm like, oh, you know, that's kind of correct. That That is correct. Good job. Um, and it's just interesting because he's like teaching them and then it kind of leads into this like I this was like one of my favorite like performance moments because it goes to him like putting makeup like the makeup like getting ready for the Moon night and he's like I'm so happy and the stars yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you it's playing the shining music there's apparently I keep missing this but apparently there's building blocks that say red rum on them in the room too and then in the mirror you can read murder in it because it's The Shining, and they're playing The Shining music, and he's putting on his makeup, uh, like, it's like, he's like, it's like a preparation, he's like, explaining those, like, it's like preparation H, it'll keep, like, me from bruising if I get hit in the face or whatever, and, like, it's almost like, like, Betty Davis putting on her stage makeup or something, like, it's just like, he's just preparing, but then he, like, starts crying, because he's so happy, 
and this is why I was like, huh? but it's like pretty, it's really believable. I was like, oh my God, this is like, oh, whoa. And like Taylor's just like holding him and he's so like attached to them. And then like they're there when he kills the first two victims, which are kids like getting it on in the upstairs bedroom. And that's when they start like thinking like, oh shit, we can't stand by and let this happen. And in fact, he tells them, you have a look on your face that says, I can't stand by and let this happen. And right after they sit because he's like okay you guys have to go you have to go you're making that face and he says goodbye to them and good luck and then like he puts his mask back on and you never really see leslie for the rest of the movie again he is now you don't see the leslie you know he's now leslie vernon and um it now turns into a slasher flick because they put their cameras away and now we're just seeing it from the point of view of it being a slasher movie and I I love this part of the movie. Like, I love the mockumentary stuff, too. But it, it just takes a different turn. And there's a bunch of really cool stuff that happens. Um, my throat's getting a little dry, Britt. So feel free if you want to take over for a, a hot second. <laughs> yeah, so um, this is where it, I think um, it can be jarring. I personally, I liked it, too. Now, I'll be honest. I did like the mockumentary stuff a little bit better. But at this point, it goes from the mockumentary style to the very classic, like, horror slasher genre filmed in third person. So, um, Taylor and um, Todd and Doug, um, they all decide, like, we're, we're going to warn him and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to let Kelly know. And so they bust into the house. And I actually did see this twist coming. I called this about, like, I was like, I just knew. I don't know why I knew, but I knew this twist was coming. So they're like, where's Kelly? And they're like, oh, she's upstairs with that guy. And they walk in, and (laughs) Kelly is thoroughly enjoying herself in the throes of passion riding reverse cowgirl. And they're like, oh, God, she's not virgin. Like, oh, God, this isn't her first time. Like, yeah, like she – so, I mean, she's not – she's not a virgin no and so it's like and of course like <laughs> which there's nothing wrong with that there's yeah. nothing shameful oh, no. about it at all but it's just funny because no. like t- in taylor doug and todd's eyes leslie has built kelly up to be his survivor girl and they're like oh my god he's gonna go berserk when he finds out she's not a virgin yeah exactly and once again we're looking at the classic rules of horror where the survivor girl or the final girl has to be a virgin like that's the classic trope so it's like mm-hmm. oh hell all hell breaks loose and you based it all around this one character um so it's really it's really really funny so it kind of like turns the head over okay what happens now that this plan this already essential part of the plot is different than what leslie planned so mm-hmm and I love, like, a lot of stuff happens, but then, like, things also are changing. Like, they go, they're like, okay, well, he doesn't know about Kelly yet, so how do we make it go, f- like, how do we move the plot along? How do we ruin it? Oh, let's go show them the bodies of the first two kids, and they go up to the bedroom, and the bodies are gone. They're like, yeah. oh, shit. So I'm like, okay, let's go to the cars, and then the bodies are in the cars, and they're like, oh, my God! And the stoner kids are like, what's going on, man? Actually, I really like the kids who played the stoner kids. They were pretty funny. Um, and so then, and their car has been messed up, too. Which, I was like, oh, of course he did. Like, oh, of course he did. Um, and then you finally start to realize that Kelly was never the survivor girl. And Taylor was the whole time. 
And like, and they they sprinkle it very easily because she's like the one who's like kind of on the defense when he's like, "Oh, that girl's obviously a virgin." She's like, "How do you know?" Like, because she's one, and she's just like, she's like, I mean, I mean, I would feel that way too if someone was like talking that derogatory towards like a, a fellow virgin. I'd be like, "What the hell? That's so rude!" You know, it's like anybody. It's like when people make blonde jokes, and you're like, "Uh." I'm not stupid, and then you sound stupid when you're saying it. It's fine. Um, anyways, but, like, so, like, and and she, like, starts to realize, she's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This was supposed to happen. And it almost adds this great level because he's been teaching her how to survive. He's given her everything, every tool she needs to defeat him. Um, and it's like, I this was the plan all along. And it makes me wonder if, like, did Eugene and Jamie know, or did he keep it a secret to himself? Like, I I figure they probably knew. Yeah, I it feel like they like did, they too, because the way they talked to Taylor. Yeah, they're very, like, sweet to him. And I, mean, I feel like they want what happened with them to happen to Taylor. Like, they want them to end up together. Very romantic and all that shit. Um, but, so, finally, Leslie sets his sight on them, and I think there's, like, two or three of the kids left. And Doug or Todd? Which one's um, the, it's, the goofier guy? It's going to be uh, Doug because Doug's the one that's in love with her. Okay. So so Todd is like, sacri- basically sacrifices himself. He's and he's kind of, he's like a heavy set dude. He's like, watch Fatty run! Which is a very funny line. And he's just like, come on! Mr. Tubbs or something. He's like, can you catch up with me? Come on, Leslie! And so Leslie, like, falls him out of the field, which does, like, get squishy, like, blood. And he gets stuck and he falls. And Leslie, like, gets on top of him to, like, kill him. And he he's like, hey, Leslie, come on. It's me, man. He takes the mask off of him. And it's just, like, there's, like, no emotion there at all. Like, it's completely a different person. And then he, he kills Doug and it's um, Todd. And it's really sad. Like, I was like, oh, shit. But that's how you know, like, it's, like, he is, he's evil. Um, which is disappointing, because he was such a fun guy in the beginning. Um, so, uh, then they're going after the other ones. And there's a really, like, awful scene where, like, uh, Kelly's best friend, oh, because Kelly, uh, tries to climb out the second story window and dies. And (laughs) so, that's the end of Kelly. So then there's her friend, who's, like, the kind of, like, the, the cheerleader character, which the only, like, student film I ever did, I was, like, the cheerleader character in a horror movie. So, I, I feel for this lady, um, which I hadn't been a cheerleader since fifth grade, and I was, like, 22 when I filmed it. So, I was like, thanks for thinking I could be a cheerleader still, guys. That makes me feel better about myself. Thanks. Um, but <laughs> um, she basically is like, oh... Taylor, then what happens to me? You have to tell me what happens to me. And it's kind of, like, sad. And anyways, and then Doc Halloran shows up. And um, then uh, Todd comes out of nowhere. Or Doug. I always make their names are so similar. I mix them up. Yeah. Doug. uh, Doug. Doug comes out. And he's like, Leslie, you can't kill her. I love her. And he just hits him in the head. So I also love that Leslie obviously doesn't want to kill doug i don't know why but he's like uh what was the best friend character's name in scream oh uh shit um dewey are you talking no not dewey Dewey. no 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 the best friend of 
um, like the kind of stoner dude, like the shaggy character, not Matthew Lillard, but like, oh shit, yeah, I know, you know I know exactly. About. Yes, but yes. he's the one who like you think he's dead, and then he pops out of nowhere. That's who. That's what he's like. Sydney, Sydney, it's not me. It's not me. Because they have the red herring, like he's the killer. Yes. So yeah, yeah. It's like Sydney, no. Um, because, and he's the one that's obsessed with horror movies, so they're trying to, like, mm-hmm. set him up like he is. Unfortunately, that character, um, has sex in the second movie and then is murdered, which was probably my least favorite part of the second movie, because I actually really liked that character, and I was like, what do you mean he dies? That sucks. That was a lot of people's, like, least favorite part of the second movie, yeah. is that it fell out of nowhere. His death was out of nowhere, so. Which made it sadder. Yeah. I mean, it was like, oh, no, but it was just like, oh, shit, he didn't follow his rules, man. Gotta but he also rules. got, like, killed in, like, broad daylight. He got killed in broad yeah. daylight, though, on a full college campus. Yeah, Wes Craven. Yeah. He, wait, has he passed away or is he still alive? He did. He passed away a couple yeah. years ago now, recently, though. He was, like, working, too, still, which is sad, because I really like him mm-hmm. as a director, like, I honestly used to like Scream 4. Anyways, back to uh, Behind the Mask. Um, yeah, so basically, um, Taylor fulfills her role as Survivor Girl. And she and Leslie face off. She runs through the orchard. She is reborn as a woman hell-bent on revenge. And she crushes his skull in an apple core and then sets the barn on fire. And then out of nowhere, it pops up. Doug and Doc Halloran, who are both fine. They both survived. They're the only other survivors. And um, they're like, come, let's let's away. And um, it's a classic horror movie end. But then there's a beautiful end credit scene where you see an autopsy being performed on Leslie's body. And they play Psycho Killer over the end credits. And um, Leslie's not as dead as you thought he was, basically. Which I'm guessing that's where Kane yeah. comes back to be in it. Yeah, Kane Hodder is like the doctor that's performing autopsy. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, yeah. I feel like he must be that character, but people are more like, he's on Elm Street, it's Jason on Elm Street. Those are in all the trivia ones, and that's kind of how the movie ends. It, I mean, I like it. I think it satisfies the classic slasher movie that you want to see, but it's funny, and if you are a horror movie fan, you're going to see a lot of really cool stuff. Um, I was trying to think if there's anything that we missed that was like a horror movie reference. Oh, by the way, uh, Taylor is filming in front of the Red Rabbit Pub, which is the matchbook that Dr. Loomis finds in Halloween. Uh, there, oh, and at Eugene's house, they have the same Oldsmobile Delta 88 from all of Sam Raimi's movies, which Sam Raimi directed all the Evil Dead movies. And he's done a lot of movies. Didn't he do, like, Drag Me to Hell and, uh, well, the the Amazing Spider-Man trilogy. Not the Amazing Spider-Man, just the best Spider-Man trilogy. Although, I think maybe this new one is going to be fine. But Mm -hmm. uh, I think, I like, I really like Tom Hooper. Wait, no. Tom, Mm -hmm. is it Tom Hooper? Tom Holland? Tom Holland. You're right. I was like, oh, what the hell? I'm like. Well, I've seen (laughs) horror movies and that I was probably thinking Toby Hooper. You're like, no, his last name is Holland. I think I was thinking about the guy that directed Chainsaw Massacre. Um, (laughs) And, uh... I know. It's like, we'll get it. We'll get it right eventually. (laughs) 
um and then yeah i think that's all yeah we said all of them definitely that i know of i'm sure there's more that they layered in there um but i i just think this is a great movie and i think if you haven't watched it you definitely should um do you have um a recommendation like anybody who especially would love this i think i don't know i recommend it for everybody yeah, I would say, yeah, if you're a fan of the horror genre, um, it's definitely fun if you like comedy. Um, yeah, so I think if you like horror or if you like comedy, and especially if you love comedy and horror together, rolled into one, uh, you would definitely like this one. It's really fun. Um, I don't think it's overly complicated. Like, it's not one of those movies that, like, we've reviewed movies that's just like, we don't know what this means. We're just taking guesses. Uh, this one's not, like, super analytical or anything. It's just, like, a fun romp. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I think that's why I like it and why it's such a fun movie to watch every year. Because it's, you don't have to think too hard about it. I mean, it's, we just uh, released our episode on I'm Thinking of Ending Things. And that movie is all mind games and all trying to figure out what the hell they're talking about. Um, which I, I love. I enjoy it. Um but this movie's not that. It's it is a very smart script. That's not to say it's not smart. There's a lot of foreshadowing and callbacks and like I said the second time you see it, you see like this whole setup with Taylor being the survivor girl that you don't you kind of see like you can't I think you could get it if you were really paying attention, but if you're just enjoying the romp, I think it comes as more of a surprise. I feel like I maybe predicted that twist, but not until like I was kind of midway through. Um, but I, I think they did a good job of giving you enough, like, uh, explanation without explaining too much, you know? And I think it's, it's just a really fun movie and it's fun to watch and, uh, yeah, I love it. I think it's great. Um, I think probably my favorite are the performances, especially Leslie. Um, that actor, if I didn't say it already, he is a Juilliard graduate and it definitely shows. Um, he just has a powerhouse performance. I hope he does more acting. I know coronavirus probably halted some of his plans, but, um, I really hope he can because I really think he's a talented actor. I also think the girl that played Taylor did a really good job as well. Um, like, she's, she's, she's good at being, like, naive but spunky. And, uh, yeah, I, I think she's great. I love the humor. Everyone seems pretty, like, real people. They seem authentic. And, um, the logic of every move and every bit of prep work that Leslie does is just interesting, you know? And also, like I said, the fact that he gives Taylor all the information she needs to be his survivor girl, um, setting her up. And, I mean, like, I wonder, is it a love thing or is it, like, an empowerment thing? Um, obviously, did he reach, I can't remember if they say that he reaches out to them or they reached out to him initially but it almost seems like maybe he was like she's the one like when they first talked like i don't yeah. i think they gloss over that well he does say he does say you he says something along the lines of you agreed to follow me are you agreed to you know see what i'm doing and film mm-hmm. me so i almost feel like he did reach out to them first and then maybe he's like this is what i'm doing are you interested and they agreed yeah to it. it's like it's interesting kind of how i felt about it yeah, and I'm not, I mean, it, it's interesting. There's a lot of really cool quotes. Like, basically, he's just something like, when she's like, what, you can't be doing this. He's like, 
uh, I chose to be a counterbalance for everything that is good and pure in this world. And you chose journalism. We both made our choices, Taylor. <laughs> it's just like, what the? It's very funny. Um, is there anything you didn't like, Britt? No, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I will say, um, it may, I didn't dislike it. It may be initially a little jarring watching it go from mockumentary to traditional horror format. Because it does it, it does that a few times. So it's not like it just does it at the very end. It does it at the beginning, obviously, with the opening scene. It does it in the library scene. Um, so I think it mm-hmm. does for a minute feel like you're just like, wait, what is happening? Um, but I, I wouldn't say that, like, but made me dislike the movie anyway. I just would say as a warning, it could be a little jarring. Um, but no, I liked it. I mean... I think I had that experience, yeah, too. I liked it. I didn't feel like it dragged or anything, which is some... What I will admit with some movies we review, I pretty much loved every movie we've ever talked about, but I do feel like most movies we talk about, there is some kind of lull in the movie, and I didn't feel like this one really had that mm-hmm. problem. It doesn't... I think... They do a good job, because I feel like most of the lulls come when, like, there's, like, that second act, like, tension. And they do have that in this movie, but they resolve it rather quickly. And the way they edit it, it doesn't make it, like, boring. They're, like, back in action almost immediately. But, yeah, I think that's one of my notes was, like, it's kind of jarring, the abrupt cut. Like, I almost wish, like, I don't know. I guess there's, maybe they had, like, done, like, reenactment on the bottom, so it made more sense. Because this is, like, a documentary, so maybe they did film reenactments of what actually happened. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know. Like, maybe that would have been something that was a less jarring. But I think they were also trying to not go too obvious that it was a documentary. I don't know, but, you know. Um, And the only, like, question I had, really, there's not a lot of um, plot holes in this movie, because they kind of film most... I, don't, I can't think of anything jarring of a plot hole. The only thing is I think they forget some of the logic in the final act. And one of the things was like, why didn't they have the cops on standby? If they knew there was a possibility that this guy actually was going to murder people, it would have been smart to like call the local cops and be like, hey, um, we've been following this guy around and we thought he wasn't being serious about killing people. But he may actually well, thought, want to kill people. In fact, he probably actually I feel like somebody. they knew he was going to be serious because he killed the librarian. So it wasn't a matter of, like, right. he was serious about killing them. It was more like they were serious about following him and documenting him. And then they got cold feet. And I think they literally... I don't think they fully got the cold feet until after he killed the teenagers that were having sex. So... Yeah, which is very sad for Zelda yeah. Rubenstein. <laughs> very much so. I mean, that, I was like, ugh. Oh, also, apparently she's wearing yellow, which is like, okay, so the director was like, oh, because, like, Kubrick used yellow as the color of suffering from the Native Americans in The Shining, which is a whole thing about The Shining is that some people, I think we probably mm-hmm. mentioned this in our Dr. Sleep Shining review, but a lot of people think that it's, like, a symbol for the suffering of Native Americans. I don't think it's 100% is. There might be some underlying themes, but I, I don't think... I think Stanley Kubrick was a brilliant director. I don't think he was that complicated of a director that he, like, has a secret meaning to all of his movies. I'm like, why well, have a secret meaning when you could just have a meaning or just be like David Lynch and be like, 
I don't know. I just thought it was fun. David Lynch is my favorite. <laughs> he's not even my favorite director so much as he's my favorite directing personality. I don't. He's just such an interesting person. I think I would get along better with Charlie Kaufman, though, because Charlie Kaufman's just yeah. chill. David Lynch is a character. I love him, but he is. I'm I'm curious what he'd be like if you actually met him. Um, but yeah, I mean, and and some of the teen acting is kind of like some of the teenagers are not very good actors. But it was also an independent movie. They maybe like had local kids. I don't know what their casting was, but they. I mean, they got Robert England and Scott. Apparently, Scott Wilson was directly. Uh, became part of the movie directly through Robert England because they're friends, um, which is cool. I was like, that's cool. Like, so that's why Scott Wilson was on it, um, and Zelda Rubenstein. But Zelda Rubenstein did a lot of like fringe things. Like, she kind of was just like, I'll do whatever, I don't care. So, which is one of the reasons why I like her because she's in uh, Poltergeist, which is a great horror movie from the '80s, and then she's also in Teen Witch, which isn't scary at all, but. It's definitely one of my favorite Halloween movies to, like, like, guilty pleasure movies. It's, like, the bad version of Hocus Pocus. It's, like, Disney, but, like, really stupid Disney. Whereas, like, Hocus Pocus is, like, like, just edgy enough Halloween Disney. Like, it's a little edgy, but it's still family-friendly. Um, did, did you have a rating? I, um, I did. I don't think it's my favorite rating, to be honest. This one was a little hard for me, but I put rated M for mockumentaries, mayhem, and murder. Oh, I like that. That's cute. What did I do? I I think I had two. I had, well, I had rated P for Paradise Lost. Found it. Uh, I don't know what did it make you laugh? It the did. first time I watched that movie, it made me laugh, and yeah. now like I just I ch- I chortle at it that I'm not like, but it's just it's one of my favorite lines. Um, I think I had I had rated M for masked men who steal your heart then stab it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> do you want to go with that one? Yeah. That that that's different. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, this is a great movie. Everyone should watch it. I, I honestly can't think of anyone who wouldn't enjoy this movie unless you just don't like movies. Yeah. Um, it's good. I, it is a hidden gem. Uh, my sorority sisters, I thank you for introducing me to this movie. Um, because it was just one of my favorite movies and it still is to this very day. Um, so I just love it. I, I'm so glad somebody showed it to me and I'm, I'm so sad people don't know more about it because I feel like, I feel like it's it's as good as Cabin in the Woods. I honestly have only seen Cabin in the Woods once. I really liked it, but I was kind of like, I don't think I will enjoy it a second watch because everything's on the surface, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's very, like, I loved it, but I, I think it's like one of those movies I'm like, also the ending is so surprising that, like, I did not like the ending of Cabin in the Woods, but I appreciated the ending of Cabin I love, in the Woods. Like, I love the ending. <laughs> I don't like it. It makes me really sad. Um, but also, like, but I also like, I hate it and I like it. Like, I, Josh, Josh Whedon hasn't done a lot of wrong in my book, directing-wise. Uh, solid director. Um, but I just, like, I, I didn't have, the fun of Cabin in the Woods is the surprises of Cabin in the yeah. Woods, and then I think after you've seen it once, you're like, okay, I know it's, I know it's gonna happen. Maybe I'll go back and watch it again. I think it's a great movie. I still, when the doors 
not without spoiling when those doors open. Those are that's one of my favorite scenes ever in a horror movie. That ever. is some great comedic timing. Ever. <laughs> also, some of my favorite older <laughs> actors are in that. Like not old, but the two main guys. It's uh, the doctor from Scrubs, and now I can't remember the, either actor's names. And the guy from The West Wing, and. They are two of my favorite, like, middle-aged male actors. I love them. And they're just, like, uh, terrible people in Cabin in the Woods. But also, they have some great lines in that movie. And I think they hold a lot of the plot together because, well, they're kind of, like, the connecting string between everything. Um, but I think the support, the the cast, the main people are really good, too. Um, apparently, the reason Cabin in the Woods made so much money was because What's-His-Face got Thor was cast as Thor right before that came out. And then he did the Thor movies. Whatever Hemsworth brother is Thor, I can't remember. Chris one. Thank you. Chris. They're all, they all look, I mean, this is, I have siblings too. We all look very similar. So like, that's not, it's not, it's not like you're the same. It's just like, I get them mixed up. Top notch. Anyways. Um, yeah, I, I think this is a great, fun movie. And like I said, I think I've seen it eight times at this point, and I still watch it. Although I wouldn't recommend watching it, like, over and over and very close to each other. Like, we did, like, like I watch it, like, maybe once a year, maybe twice a year, if that. Like, I watch it during, like, Halloween season. And that's enough, you know? Exactly. Um, so I guess it's time that I'm going to choose the movie for us out of Brit's list. I'm going to choose Brit's pick. So I I had a hard time because I kind of wanted to do From Dust Till Dawn, but we can't find it streaming anywhere. Um, And I, I, so I had kind of my, um, I wanted to do Ringu as well, but I can't find Ringu streaming anywhere for me. And, that's and I think insane. it's because I don't have HBO Max. I have HBO yes. add-on. Uh, I know. But I Ringu like, was on know, Shudder, though. I know. But but here's the thing. What I really... There's two movies on your list that I've had on watching lists for a very long time. I've seen The Ring. You know. Um, Let the Right One In. I've always wanted to watch it. But honestly, the one that interested me the most was the changeling and it's a haunted house movie so it's very spoopy and like i watched the trailer which i'm kind of mad at myself because i think it spoiled a little bit of something for me but i'm trying to forget it for my brain but i told my mom was like "Ooh, we should watch scary movies because i haven't caught up on the movies you've been reviewing so i haven't been listening to the podcast as much i was like well there's one we gotta watch this weekend because i have to review it because we're gonna do the changeling which i believe is on it shutter i think uh i yes. think the changeling is on shutter yes. yes um i'm really excited because it's george c scott who's a fantastic actor and um it looks really scary i think if people like the haunting of hill house it seems like it has that vibe a little bit but also a little bit of like rosemary's baby vibes i got like because there's like a lady and there's like a seance and stuff and Ooh, I don't know. I feel like it's actually genuinely going to be scary. So I'm very excited about it. Yes. And also, I feel like Let the Right One In, I, I still want us to do that movie, but I feel like maybe it doesn't have a Halloween vibe. You know what I mean? Okay. 
I still don't do that Fair movie enough. though, Fair because enough. like I've been really I might still watch it and then we can do it later. Um but the changeling just seems so appropriate for Halloween. Like, ooh, yes. spoopy, scary. Haunted and that seance that seance scene though. I'm telling you, that's what scary shit is made out of. Well, that's why I definitely was going to watch it when I was, like, packing up my old apartment and was, like, all by myself there. And I was like, you know what? I may not be able to go sleep at all and I have to work tomorrow. So I'm going to wait until I'm staying with my parents for a week and then watch it and then be scared because at least there's other people in the house. Um, but yeah, that's what we're going to watch next week. I'm so excited because it, it just seems like a genuinely good movie, which I've heard of many times and never actually gotten to sit down and watch. So, and also Britt's mom introduced her to it. So yeah, yes. it's a mom approved yeah, movie. Yeah, I was about to say when you have a parent that, yes. So as, like I said, um, like I, like I told Kaylee, Kay, Kaylee. Well, if I can speak, what well, what I told Katie during the last podcast was that I have very vivid memories of this movie as a child. I hadn't watched it in years, and I thought about it, and I was like, I need to revisit that movie. And it still freaked the fuck out of me as an adult. That's a good movie. That That is a good movie. I will say, like, my parents, too, have introduced me to some of my favorite films, like Star Wars, of course. But, like, Ghostbusters... There is the taxi driver in Ghostbusters still scares me. Like, I'm like, I don't like it. I don't like it. Also, I hate Gollum from Lord of the Rings because of the Hobbit uh, animated film that my dad made me watch when I was a kid. Hate him. Hate him so much. Why did you want to kill Bilbo? It just, it bothers me a lot. Um, I do not like Gollum. I don't care that he was Smeagol. I don't blame you. I don't like him at all. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a stupid scary movie. But like, Psycho was genuinely scary too when I was little. And I mean, I still get the heebie-jeebies, but I more enjoy Psycho than anything else. Except for that last scene. Oh, that was the other one I wanted to do with Psycho. But it's one that obviously, for some, oh, it's on Peacock, right? Yeah. But I mean, like, I feel um, like yeah. maybe we should save Psycho. Yeah. And that'll work. I, I mean, I don't mind. We could always... That's a great thing. Like, October to January is officially spooky season for me. Because it's that fall and winter time. Um, yeah, I'm excited to do The Changeling. Because, like, I, I've been wanting to see this movie. And I think it's genuinely spooky looking. Like, I got some heebie-jeebies watching. Like, there's a lot of, like, scenes in the trailer where there's stuff moving. And it looks very realistic. Much better than, like, um, like in Poltergeist when everything's flying around the room looks kind of cheesy um I, I i think this movie looks a lot better i don't know if it's because it's a more grainy film yeah and you can't see the wires as much maybe i i feel like um i feel like a lot of the way it's filmed really adds it like heightens that like creepiness so without spoiling there's a scene that it whips you, like, pers- first person view whips you around, and it's, like, very jarring, because it's almost like you feel like you're going through this house, and I even think about, like, scenes like that in this movie, like, it, it's something, I don't know how to describe it, almost it heightens your senses when you're watching the movie, I feel, just my opinion. Oh, I'm excited, it sounds like a cool movie, and, like, the 
I like I don't usually watch trailers because they ruin it, but I just couldn't wait to see like what this movie was about. But I was a little too scared of it to just like watch it completely blind. <laughs> so again, I was by myself. So uh, now that I'm staying with people, um, I will watch it. I, I might make my mom watch it with me. Maybe my dad. My mom is definitely more into the spoopy movies than my dad is. Um, but even she's sometimes like, ooh, I don't want to see that movie. <laughs> like, I, did, I told them not to watch Dogtooth. She was literally going to sit down one night and watch it by herself. I was like, no, mom, don't do it. Watch. I can't remember what the other. I th oh, she said, oh, I'm going to watch Dogtooth or Doctor Sleep. I was like, watch Doctor Sleep. Just watch Doctor Sleep. Just, it's great. Just watch that one instead. Don't watch Dogtooth because I will feel responsible for you <laughs> disturbed because it's so disturbing um uh, i guess with that though we actually we did a good job of filming tonight we've only been filming for two hours Yay! probably because katie um stepped on the power cord of at her parents house and completely like interrupted our first attempt which was fun um uh, but i guess we're gonna say good night um rate subscribe listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, please rate if you can, because that actually really helps the podcast out a lot. If we get a higher rating, more people will get exposed to it. And then there'll be more spoopy friends to talk about spoopy movies with, which is the whole goal of this, right? Yes. We are not alone. Yes, yes. Uh, you're not alone. Um, I did. I know um, as we are heading into um, this time of year, that is one of my favorite times of year. I love this season. I love the fall season. I know a lot of people also get seasonal depression. Um, I want to remind you how beautiful you are, how wonderful you are, and how lucky we are to have you as a listener. And um, I, I hope you're doing well, and I hope you're taking care of yourself out there. Yeah, it's it's okay. We just got to make it through spoopy season, and then 2020 is over. And this is a fabulous distraction yeah. from everything that's going on in 2020. Just, just a little la-la-la putting my fingers in the ear for the rest of the year. Just going to pay attention to Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Which are my three favorite holidays. Yes. Right? Mine too. <laughs> I don't I think if anybody's favorite holiday, maybe Fourth of July. I can see people liking the Fourth of July if you live in America because that is a fun holiday. But I can't see anyone else like not being like, those are my three favorite holidays. Because if, if those aren't, what's wrong with you? They're the best holidays with the best food and drink associated with them. Come on. Um, plus, it's pumpkin pie season. It is pumpkin spice latte season. We are basic bitches. I will put on my Ugg boots and drink a pumpkin spice latte. I don't care. Although we'll have to wait until like December, January because it's too hot in the South to wear your Ugg boots until like November, December at the earliest. But it got a little chilly this week. It was like in the 60s and I was like, ooh, it's, it's Southern fall. Hooray. Finally, it'll be 70 again tomorrow, but it's fine. That's why I have spooky t-shirts now. I finally figured out stop buying spooky sweatshirts because you'll never wear them in spooky season you'll wear them all winter and people will be like why are you wearing a hocus pocus shirt in december because <laughs> i like it and i paid 20 dollars on amazon for it and i like it um anyways but yes we love you all be safe and know that we're here spooky friends for you we're here and please next week join us at the same spoopy time on the same spoopy channel stay spoopy y'all bye 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 Britt bye Katie night. the Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale 
All music used is royalty free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.